Good day. You're tuned into Free City Radio. This is the 71st edition. I'm your host in Montreal, Stefan Christophe. On this edition, I'm going to play a presentation that was shared as part of an event that I organized uh, in collaboration with Alternatives um, organization here in Montreal and also CKUT Community Radio. Um, the event was focused on the ways that the pandemic crisis has impacted Kenya. Uh, it looked at the ways that the pandemic has uh, impacted uh, communities that um, are already experiencing systemic inequality and injustice in urban poor communities, for example. And it also looked at the um, agricultural context and rural communities, both in Kenya and throughout Africa. One of the presenters for this event uh, is Zahra Molu, uh, who's a documentary filmmaker and researcher with uh, Etc. Group, ETC Group. Um, this is an organization that documents the ways that corporate agriculture detrimentally impacts uh, small farmers. Um, we hear in this presentation the ways that digitalization and the corporatization of agricultural information um, has been uh, used to take away power from farming communities, rural areas, and small-scale farmers. Uh, corporatization of agricultural systems has moved forward at a very quick pace during the pandemic. And I think uh, often when we think about data-driven markets, we don't think about the ways that that relates to agriculture and food. Um, so in this presentation, we hear about the ways that satellite imaging, for example, around uh, agricultural systems um, is used uh, to basically control information uh, and also to uh, develop corporate influence over uh, small-scale farmers uh, in terms of uh, which pesticides are imposed in terms of uh, sort of the drought season, how that impacts territories. A lot of this information is gathered by satellites, but it's privatized and then parceled back to the farmers who are uh, then pushed to adopt very uh, corporate-oriented solutions to agricultural issues. In the presentation, um, Zahra explains this very clearly. Uh, Etc. Group, ETC Group, is excellent and has been really working to document this issue. And so I wanted to share specifically uh, Zahra's presentation from this panel discussion on Kenya that I co-hosted with Alternatives. So that's going to be the uh, edition today. And here is um, Zahra Malou. Oh, thank you, Stefan. Thanks very much. And thank you to Alternative also. Um, yeah, I'll say a few words about um, some of the work that Etc. Group has been doing um, just quickly, etc. is an international organization and we monitor the impact of emerging technologies and corporate strategies on biodiversity, agriculture and human rights. And so a lot of the work we've been looking at is on um, big agricultural agri-tech companies. Um, and so, and you know, one of the things you notice with this pandemic is that there has been, um, you know, efforts to accelerate the move towards digital agriculture across the world and including in the global south. So at Etc. Group, we've been looking at trends in digital agriculture quite recently. So I'll give you a bit of just context and information about digital agriculture um, to understand why it's a problem and why it's a threat during this time of a pandemic where so much is becoming digital. 
Um, so one of the things we've noticed is that, you know, over the last years, you see that food corporations have been getting bigger and bigger and fewer and fewer. And that's not something new. I mean, you have four corporations that control over half of the commercial seed market. You have four corporations that control about two thirds of the agro agrochemical market. And those corporations are uh, Bayer, which bought up Monsanto, uh, Cortiva AgriScience, Syngenta and BASF. And so, you know, as we go forward, we, as you were saying, you know, there's existing trends uh, in terms of what's been happening even before the pandemic. And so you'll see more and more mergers and corporations becoming more powerful and consolidated. Um, but what's becoming a bit newer is that the same sort of agricultural giants that grew very rich uh, and powerful from the industrial food system are now combining their power with data giants. Um, and as you know, data is a very valuable resource. And so the more it's hoarded and aggregated, the more it increases in value. And so now uh, in Kenya and also elsewhere, you see digital farming being presented to farmers as if, if they have digital tools, um, they can, uh, farms can, farmers can realize greater efficiency, they can have greater return on their investments, and it's good for them. Um, and so farmers are getting this uh, message that they're receiving services from, for free from agricultural companies like, for example, Bayer. But in fact, what's happening is that data is being mined by these companies and used. Um, and so I'll give an example. So for example, there's a, there's a digital platform called Climate Field View that was developed by a cli the Climate Corporation, which is a Silicon Valley startup that was bought up by Monsanto in 2013 for almost a billion dollars. And so a lot of people were wondering, you know, why is Monsanto buying up this platform on weather technology? But in fact, what, what they said is that in a few years, Monsanto said, we'll become a technology information company. And so now this, this platform, Climate Field View, um, basically provides information about the state of your soil if you're a farmer. And they have a, a feature called field capture. So you, you can take pictures of uh, the diseases on your crops and then you put it into Field View and it goes off and searches it against thousands of pictures from Bayer and suggests which Bayer products and herbicides you can use for the problem on your farm. And so that's one example of a platform that's being used uh, for agriculture. And there's a lot of others that are owned by the big agricultural giants like John Deere, Cortiva. Um, and so what they're doing is they're extracting data on seeds, soils, on fertilizer, on weather, and they, they input this into their AI systems, their artificial intelligence systems. And then they suggest based on that, what farmers should farm, when they should farm, what products they should use. Um, and these services are basically pre presented as free, but actually uh, they are using the data from farmers um, for their own, for their own, uh, their own projects. So um, uh, one example also is Azure Farm Beats. So in Africa, you know, you might have heard that Bill Gates has poured a lot of money into trying to get small farmers in the South to, to adopt uh, pesticides, advanced seeds, and all these uh, products that are sold by the world's uh, largest agribusiness corporations through um, projects and institutions like AGRA, called, which is uh, the Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa. But adoption rates for these technologies were quite remained low. So Gates is now trying to move into a digital agriculture. And so um, in, in 2020, Microsoft and the Alliance for Green Revolution in Africa began to expand this digital platform called Azure Farm Beats uh, with this app called Kuzabot. 
And the app provides farmers with advice on WhatsApp and SMS, um, also including which, which uh, inputs to use from which companies. Um, and, but they're also partnered with this uh, US climate, uh, this uh, startup called Climate Edge. And what they're doing is they're taking data from small farmers that are supplied by NGOs and companies and researchers, and then selling that to insurance companies, pesticide dealers, food companies. So you're seeing that all that data is actually being sold on. Um, and then in Kenya, an interesting example of uh, digital services in agriculture is, uh, is uh, Arifu, um, which is uh, it, it's a chatbot advisory service, and it's partnered with Syngenta, which is a, a seeds and pesticides company. And so what Arifu is doing in Kenya is basically creating a demand for seeds from Syngenta. Um, and it's also part of this larger platform called Digifarm, which is operated by Safaricom. And if you're in Kenya, you know that Safaricom is the biggest mobile money operator. Um, and so Digifarm is providing millions of farmers in Kenya with chatbot services, but also selling them inputs and crop insurance, offering them loans, uh, selling their produce. Um, and basically they're saying that they're providing financial services to rural people who wouldn't be able to access them other, otherwise, but farmers are being locked into the system where they have to buy inputs that are sold on credit. They have to follow the advice of the chatbot app and qualify for crop insurance. They have to sell their crops to the company. So it's all very, uh, they're kind of locked into the system. Um, and um, the organization Grain, which also works on, on agriculture and has uh, done really good work on this, basically calls this contract farming on a, on a mass scale. Um, and then you have other developments in digital agriculture, for example, the move towards automation. Um, agriculture is going to be the second largest use of drones uh, for getting visuals from farms, but also for applying pesticides. You're going to have an uptake of robots, including mini robots that will be weeding and picking pests, uh, dealing with pests. So digital farming is something where all these things are going to come together. Drones, the extraction of data, robots. Um, and so it sort of strips all the, the human relations with the soil, with plants. Um, and so there's a lot of issues with this, which I can go into or we can go into it later. Um, um, and so there's, yeah, there's a lot of problems with digital farming and the pandemic is sort of being used as a way to say we need digital farming in the global south. Um, and on the other hand, you have to remember that industrial agriculture actually does increase the risk of pandemics. And we've seen that there have been other pandemics that have come about. It's a very, very unsustainable and unsanitary system. For farmers, a lot of this, the, the reason why this is a problem is for several reasons. One is that they don't have uh, a lot of control or ownership. So for example, the company John Deere uh, sells tractors to farmers, but it forbids farmers to repair their equipment. So if you buy a tractor from John Deere and you, you, they, they have a way of taking extracting data from the, the, the tractor, you also have to sign up for conditions regarding your data. So you can't do repairs on your own tractor if you're a farmer. And so that raises a lot of concerns over losing control over your own farming equipment. Uh, the other issue with it is that it's pushing up, it could push up the cost of land. Um, so in 2020, Bayer Fieldview, the Bayer Fieldview app, which I mentioned before, um, had an agreement with a company called Tillable, which uh, calls themselves the Airbnb of farmland. And so they're building a whole database of farmland and they want to be able to rent out that farmland to farmers. Um, so basically Tillable takes the, field, the data from a Bayer's FieldView app, 
and goes to farmers and makes offers on land that are actually higher than what the farmers are already paying. So there you see how data is now being used to actually works very much against, against farmers um, and their access to land. Um, other things is, you know, I mentioned that data was being sold on, data from, from small farms is being sold. Um, but also, um, you know, the, value, the data is very valuable and sometimes it's not really clear who it's being shared with or sold to. Um, I also mentioned the issue of lock-ins. Um, so, you know, if you have like a Bayer field view system, they will promise you certain returns as a farmer. Like if you use our prescriptions, we, you can sell your corn at a certain rate. But if you don't, the company will make up the difference. So if you sell your produce for more, the, the, the more than half of the difference will go uh, to the company. Um, so what's happened is that uh, the farmers actually given them all the data, agreed to buy their project, products. Um, and so that's another issue. Another issue is, as I mentioned, the robots. Um, you know, people in farming are already very much exploited uh, in the in the in agricultural industries. But if you have uh, robots, you have even less need for workers and for migrant workers. Um, um, and we also see that robots might actually augment workers. So in this very weird science fiction scenario in Japan, uh, you have workers being enhanced by robots by having their like hands to pick up things, um, which is actually very bad for their uh, for their bodies. Um, and then also you have examples of Amazon. So one of the industries that's been very much roboticized is, uh, uh, is Amazon's warehouses where workers are directed as robots. They're very controlled. They're expected to work fast. Uh, and you end up having a lot of injuries. Uh, workers have a lot of injuries. Um, I'll mention a couple of others. There's several, there are several other points I can mention. Um, but also you have to remember that data is energy. So when we have, we have this idea that everything going digital is very good for climate change, it's all digital, so it's not tangible and therefore it's good for the environment. But actually data is energy. And so all the infrastructure to bring into being digitalization is gonna require huge amount of, of infrastructure and electricity. Um, and so data will actually create climate emissions, um, not necessarily reduce them. Um, and you have to think of all the energy that goes into building data infrastructure, wires, cables, water, chemicals, mining. Um, so there's that. And, and a lot of people say, well, why can't digital agriculture be in, you know, advantageous to farmers? There must be ways in which it's useful to them. Um, but you, know, you see that if technology is introduced within this sort of framework, it's not going to be beneficial to them. And in Kenya, for example, there's, there's a an agri-tech company called Twiga Foods that was founded by this US academic who wanted to connect small farmers to, to vendors and bypass the powerful cartels. So Twiga built up a whole fleet of trucks to get food from farmers outside Nairobi and then deliver them to vendors in the city. But then all of these transactions were being organized through cell phones and run on Microsoft's digital platform and uh, cloud services. And then all these larger companies started to take interest and Goldman Sachs uh, took major stakes in the company. Twiga partnered with IBM. Um, and so now Twiga is selling foods directly to consumers and they've cut out the small vendors that they were supposed to be helping in the, in the first place. So it's quite, you know, this is how corporations end up inserting themselves into, uh, you know, into these networks. Um, and so it's really quite dangerous to think of how the pandemic can increase, uh, potentially increase the digitalization of agriculture and think about what impact this, uh, this has on, on small farmers.
That was a presentation from Zahra Mulu, uh, who is a documentary filmmaker, researcher, and uh, who works with Etc. Group, um, ETC Group, uh, if you want to look them up online. Um, as we heard, uh, this event was focused on Kenya, and there were a number of presentations. I wanted to parcel out and highlight the presentation from Zahra, uh, who looked at the ways that the corporatization of agricultural systems has been deepened within Kenya and in Africa in the context of the pandemic. Look up ETC Group and their work. It's very important. This has been the 71st edition of Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christophe in Montreal. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I will go out on the show today with a piece of music from KMRU, and uh, that's an artist based in Nairobi and also signatory of the Musicians for Palestine letter. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you.